Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of It's Eleven. It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans. Four Leicester City fans, all five of us are back in the house tonight. It's been two months since our last podcast and we're joined by ex-Leicester City player, Tony Cotty. Tony, how are you? I'm very good, thanks boys. I hope you're all good. I had a good Christmas, New Year. Enjoyed watching the World Cup, I might add. Um, But it's nice to have the Premier League back and get to watch our favourite football teams again. So uh, yeah, I've enjoyed it the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the World Cup was, uh, it feels like a long time ago now. Barry, you've always got 31 teams to support, haven't you, in the World Cup? So, <laughs> another victory. Another victory for the mate Scottish, yeah, of course. <laughs> but it's, great, it's great to have you with us tonight, uh, Tony. We've, we've had some of your, your former teammates with us in the, in the past. We've had Steve Guppy on recently and uh, uh, Steve Walsh, Ian Marshall, players like that. And uh, another goal-scoring legend such as yourself, but... I guess my first question to you is, how did you end up coming to Leicester? Was it 33 you were at the time? You were in Malaysia, weren't you? Uh, I wasn't quite that old, Mark. I was 30, I think I was 31, just coming up. I might have just turned 32, I think. But, um, yeah, I think it's sort of well documented. You know, I think everyone knows I'm a West Ham boy. And I was uh, rejoined West Ham for my second spell. And my intention was just to basically play out my career have a nice retirement, you know, final game, wave to the fans and off you go type of thing. But it didn't work out that way. And um, dear old Harry Redknapp was my manager at uh, West Ham, sorry. And um, he he not only bought me, he sold me as well. And um, the club were in a bit of financial difficulties at the time. This was 1996. Sold me to a team in Malaysia called Selangor. For me, it really was after it not working out West Ham, it was like a, basically a payday. Go over there for a couple of years, you know, get a few quid. I, I did make the big money in football. I'd love to say I earned 100 grand a week, but, um, you know, I was more like 100 grand a year, man, rather than 100 grand a week. So it was... We dream of that. Uh, for me, a, yeah, for me, a payday <laughs> in Malaysia was was sort of, you know, it was welcome for me. And I'd have intention of being there for two years, but it, it, it wasn't really what I wanted. <laughs> didn't particularly enjoy it. It was a nice holiday. Um, but it was time to come home. And the, the connection with Leicester, believe it or not, goes back to my early days, first spell at West Ham. And um, I was teammates with Steve Walford. And uh, obviously, you guys, you Leicester fans, you know what Steve Walford means to Martin O'Neill, obviously John Robertson, etc. Wally was very much part of the backroom, you know, first team coach, the backroom staff. And my, my dad was an insurance broker. So I used to go down the training ground when I was a young kid saying, oh, my dad's a great insurance broker. He'll insure your houses and your cars and everything, which Steve Walford did. So this went on for obviously 15 years down the line. And my dad um, my dad just was speaking to Wally one day about insurance. And Wally actually said, how's TC doing? And he went, no, he's in Malaysia. He's not very happy. He wants to come home. So Wally then said, well, I'll speak to Martin and see if we can get him at Leicester. 
bearing in mind you just won the League Cup, you beat Middlesbrough in the final and, mm. and qualified for Europe for the following season. So when my dad told me, I just laughed at him. I went, yeah, all right, dad. You know, like no one wanted me when I went to Malaysia. They're not, I'm not going to come back to the Premier League. And of course, um, lo and behold, that's how it worked out. So I've got an awful lot to thank Wally for. And believe it or not, he actually lives 10 minutes around the corner to me now. Down Danny Lee on Sea in South End. And um, I'm, going, I'm out for breakfast with him um, on Friday this week. So I do get to see a little bit more of Wally than, than what I probably would do otherwise. But it's, it's, it's an interesting story, best sort of the short version. Well, I read somewhere that uh, you, you meet him and Martin O'Neill was actually at Watford Gap Services uh, when yeah. he signed you. And he, he stuck what you were going to be earning <laughs> on a serviette, didn't he? He did. And uh, you, you guys might laugh at that. And um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have an agent. I'd, I'd had agents in the past, but... Um, because of the connection with Wally, who was there at the meeting as well, um, I didn't feel I needed an agent. I would like to say I was 31, 32. You sort of know what you're doing then. And, um, you know, I didn't really expect a lot. And I've got to be honest, the, <coughs> excuse me, the offer that Martin sort of wrote on the napkin was a lot more than what I was expecting. So it, was a case, it wasn't a case of let's negotiate. It was, wow, let's, um, let's, let's get it done sort of thing. And, of course, with the... I think we was just going into the explosion of wages in that, you know, the sort of the mid nineties and people like Roy Keane, they just signed a 10 grand a week contract and things like that. And, you know, and Alan Shearer had gone to Newcastle and all that sort of stuff was going on. These in general were going up. So even though I'd only been away for not, not well, about a year out of the Premier League, the money I got offered by Leicester was pretty much twice what I was on at West Ham. But don't get excited. I don't mean to say I was on 20 grand a week. It was absolutely nowhere near that. It, must have um, it was, you know, compared, compared to the average wage, it was obviously good money, but it wasn't, you know, I certainly wasn't getting what Muzzy and Neil Lennon and, you know, the other top boys at the time were getting. Yeah, it must have felt really good to be playing in the Premier League again, though, at, at that stage, because you'd already played for West Ham and Everton and scored quite a, a few goals there. And to come back, and I think, was it one of your first goals was that winner at Old Trafford? It was, yeah. I knew that one would come up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that was. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, it was the it was the goal that sort of. Um, I've got a bit of a cough, as you can tell. So just bear with me. <clears throat> it was the goal that um, proved to me. Forget what the fans felt. It proved to me that I could still score goals in the Premier League, and you know, you're right. I'd scored lots of goals in the Premier League before that in the old Division One, but. You know, when I came back to Leicester, um, I was so unfit. I'd been in Malaysia. And as I say, it felt like I'd been on holiday for a year. And I came back, I wasn't fit. Martin knew I wasn't fit. And he, he sent me out on loan to Birmingham. Um, came back, I was a lot sharper and a lot fitter. Um, but still had to wait for my time to get in the team. And then, of course, when you then get in the team and you start a match, and that, I, I, I might be totally wrong on this, but I think that was the first match I started for Leicester. I came on a sub quite a few times. I started the League Cup game, we won't mention that, where we lost to Grimsby as the holders, which yeah. is a nightmare. Um, that was awful, awful. But I think my first proper start in the Premier League was the Man United game. And for me to score, and it convinced me, let alone the fans, it convinced me I could still score the goals. And I think from that moment onwards, I, I knew that I was going to have a good run. And just I had to try and get in the team, obviously, because there were some good players. <coughs> but that was the goal that really sort of made it for me at Leicester. And I think when I... When I go on my travels, I think the one goal that the Leicester fans want to talk to me about is the goal at Old Trafford because I think it's not the last time we won. Did they not win there in the Premier League season? I think they no, know, or was it? No, that was the last time we won there. Yeah, we've not won since then. We, I think it was about really? four years before that uh, for, for us to win that time as well. So uh, the, the story that I read somewhere was that you, you got told you were playing in the reserves midweek before that game, and if you impressed. You were you were going to get a, a game out at Old Trafford on the Saturday. That's a hell of an incentive, isn't it? Well, it was. And uh, yeah, listen, Martin, Martin knew his stuff. I mean, he was a wonderful manager. Um, <clears throat> I think with Martin, there was always a, a mental challenge <clears throat> with how he treated his players. I was obviously I was an experienced pro at that time. He he knew what buttons to press, and he, he just pressed the button. And said, "Look, if you play well, you know, I'll play on Saturday." <coughs> um, I played at Notts County. We won one here in the reserves, and true to his word, he played me. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. And that was your first goal at Old Trafford, wasn't it, Tony? It was what? Sorry, was that your first goal at Old Trafford as well? My first goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, had, um, I think I'd had about thirteen 
made no more than that, probably 15 seasons previous to that trying to uh, I normally didn't used to get a shot at Old Trafford let alone mm-hmm. score a goal it was I mean as you're well aware it's one of the it's one of those places Old Trafford and Anfield being another one I'm I tuned in the other night and they were saying that the last time Leicester had won at Anfield was when I scored back in the late yeah. 90s. So you, you, you guys well know. Yeah, exactly. Going to Liverpool, going to Old Trafford, it was it was tough. And, you know, whatever team I played for, whether it was West Ham, Everton, Leicester, it was always hard to score. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to get my first goal at Old Trafford was great. And then, of course, what was it, seven months later, first game of the season, I scored another one and we drew two all. That was after leading 2-0. And yeah. that was in the Man United treble season. They went on and won the treble. And we was 2 new up against Man United, first day of the season, and still managed to draw the game. Yeah, didn't Beckham score in about the uh, 112? Yeah, Fergie yeah, time, Fergie as they time. used to call it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we was well pleased with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just we was gutted after the game because we played so well. Um, and, uh, listen, we had a good side. Um, I mean, people look back and sort of talk about our side of the, of the 90s, but... You know, pretty much all our team were internationals. You know, the only one who really wasn't international was Walshy, and he was the captain. So, you know, in you know, club legends. But you look at all the other players, you go through the team, Tim Flowers, Frank Sinclair, um, you know, Guppy, Lennon, is it, um, Heskey, you know, there was there was some savage all international players. We had a good team and a good squad. It was it must have been a good strike partner, Emil Heskey, to to play with because they all Big man, little man really worked for us at times. And I remember, I don't know which goal it was, but it was a, a flick on by Heskey. And I just seem to remember this this ball seeming to take an age to come through. And I, I knew you were going to finish it. I think it might have been Everton at home. Um, I, I, and of course you did at that stage. But that big man, little man really worked for us, didn't it? Well, I think it worked for, for I think it worked for everyone. I mean, from my point of view, if you're playing up front, obviously I always played in a partnership. It's different now. We all know that. <laughs> but um, you know, playing up front as a 32-year-old, um, A, I didn't want to do the running, and B, you know, I wasn't capable of doing the running. So it was sort of a, I needed a young, fit, enthusiastic striker to play alongside. Uh, boy, did I get one. I mean, Heskey, as you guys well know, was a fantastic talent. Um, loved playing up front with him. I had pretty much three years up front with him. And, you know, he, he I always felt he was a better player than he was given credit for. I think, yeah. you know. There, there was always a lot of derision when he played for England. And, you know, and the biggest problem Emil had was, I think sometimes he didn't believe how good he was. And, and, and other times he just, I just don't think he scored the amount of goals he should have done because he certainly got in good positions and that. And I think people then sometimes unfairly judge him um, on his goals record. And you, you've got to forget his goals record. You've got to look at what he contributed to that Leicester team and his performances, you know, and like for, for me, it was a, you know, it's a privilege to play alongside such a, a great young talent, fully deserved his move to Liverpool and had a great career, you know, for England as well. So, um, yeah, it was a joy to play alongside. And, you know, I love, uh, you know, I love playing with Hesk and we had good backup as well. You had Claridge, you had Marshall, Graham Fenton was there. I know it didn't quite work for him, but there were some good players at the club at the time. It was. It was a golden era at the time. We didn't think it was going to get much better than that. And obviously in 2016, it, it did, but... Just going back to, to your career a second, I, I guess when you signed for Leicester, you must have thought your chances of uh, of, of a trophy domestically had, had probably gone. I, I've read that you joined Everton just after they won the league and left just before they won the FA Cup, didn't you? Am I right in saying yeah. that? So your time uh, yeah, is not, not the best. Okay, no no yeah, reflection they, on you, obviously. No, basically, they won the league in 87. I joined in 88, had six years, didn't win anything, left in 94, and they won the cup in 95. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> yeah. I always call it the right club at the wrong time, I think is yeah. the best way to sum it. Um, but no, I was, I was just a bit unfortunate. I mean, I think people forget that at the time I joined Everton, they were one of the top five clubs. You know, the top five back then was Everton, Liverpool, Arsenal, Manchester United and Tottenham, believe it or not. <clears throat> and that was the top five. So, you know, I left West Ham, my boy club, to, to sign for one of the top five. And I was just a bit unfortunate. We lost in the 89 Cup final, the Hillsborough Cup final. Uh, we had a couple of other sort of Simog Cups or whatever they was called. I lost I lost them as well. Um, so I'd lost three Cup finals by the time I got to Leicester. And then, of course, we then had the frustration of the 99 Cup final against Spurs and you know that was a that was an absolute nightmare as well. So I, I basically played four finals and lost for four finals. Um, so to win against Tranmere in you know the fifth my, my fifth final and 
what turned out to be my last sort, sort of full season for Leicester was a you know great thrill, and um, I was just really pleased that I had the the chance to feel what it's like to win at Wembley. Yeah, you, uh, th- that was a, a sort of stark image, wasn't it, against Spurs when I think you were quite visibly upset on the, the pitch at the end. I think we, we looked like we were going to win that game. They went down to 10 men and it obviously just didn't work out. But you got your chance 12 months later. I think O'Neill had promised you that and he said we were going to get back there and uh, and win it. Yeah, I mean, you, you look back and you see the pictures and you remember the feelings and... Um... You know, you'd like to think, you know, I'd like to think I'm a strong man and I, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not that emotional. You know, you, you watch a, like, a soppy film or something. I don't sit there bawling my eyes out. I'm not that type of guy, you know, and you think to yourself, you know, like, you know, crying on the pitch at Wembley is not the, the most sort of dignified thing to do and something that I wouldn't, you know, you would never set out to do. But the emotion really got to me and it was so cruel what happened because, you know, we was it wasn't a good Tottenham team. You know, it wasn't, they had some decent players, um, but nothing special. Um, and, you know, I felt that we certainly matched them. <laughs> um, going into extra time, which it was, you know, they, they was down to 10 men and the, the game was going to extra time. You felt that, well, surely with the extra man, you know, we're going to make that tell and we would have won the cup. And, you know, and my my rivalry with Spurs goes back to being a West Ham fan and it's our local rivals, etc. So there was a lot on it from my point of view. <coughs> and the fact I'd already lost the three finals. So, of course, when they scored in the last minute and I just couldn't believe it, I, I just I just felt sorry for myself. And I, I don't like to admit that. And it wasn't all about me, but I just couldn't contain my emotions. And, you know, I, I, somebody sort of players come up and they sort of put their arm around me oh unlucky and all that Ian Walker tried I think Ian Marshall came up to me as well tried his best but I didn't want anyone just didn't want anyone near me because it was just a horrible feeling and and then all of a sudden I just got this cuddle and then you, you hear the voice that that Irish voice um you know Aidan I know what I'm talking about oh, that yeah. real <laughs> gravelly Irish voice and you knew I knew straight away who it was and he just put his arm around me and he said he said, don't worry. He said, we'll be back next year and we'll win it next year. And I looked at him, I went, boss, I said, I'm 34 years of age, or 33, I think I was. I said, I'm 33 years of age. I said, we ain't coming back. I knew how hard it was to get to a final. And, you know, let's be honest, at the time, it was Leicester City Football Club, you know, that you know, wonderful football club, but they, they, they wasn't renowned for being in lots and lots of finals. And I just thought, you know, I'd, I, it just worked out well. that they, They'd had two in three years. I'd missed the first one. And I've lost the second one and that's it. You know, history is going to pass me by and I'm not going to get the chance anymore. And he went, I promise you we'll be back next year and we'll win it. And of course he was right as well. So, you know, to win that cup against Tranmere was right up there. As, you know, it's, it's hard to say what's your best because you have your debuts, you have your England debuts, etc. But that feeling of lifting the cup and getting your winner's medal for Leicester was an unbelievable right up there feeling for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're glad you did. Anyone that goes down to the games nowadays will know <coughs> some of your goals are played there before kickoff in the the montage. Well, I didn't realise that, Mark. I didn't yeah, the, the goal against Sunderland in the semi final in '99 that's on there, and the uh, the the aforementioned winner at Old Trafford obviously is on there as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll always have a look up and say it's, it's Tony Cotty's goal there. So thank you for, for what you did at the time for us. Um, just to address a little bit of a rumour. Is it true that you you and Walshy tried to apply for the manager's job after uh, after O'Neill left? Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it's, it's not room. I mean, it's sort of well known, really. But um, yeah, I mean, I've gotten really well with Walshy. Um, fantastic character, um, different, <laughs> really different. <laughs> but um, we got on really well on and off the pitch, and I roomed with him a little bit as well. And um, I think we just both had something to offer. We um, we made an appointment to see the club, sat down with them, done a presentation, uh, which went really well. And after the presentation, <coughs> Andy Neville, who's um, still at the club now, I believe, um, he came up to us and he said, we didn't expect it to be as good as that. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it was a sort of compliment. Um, yeah. So he said, um, so I said, well, we both said, well, what does that mean? He said, well... And he said, well, I think Peter Taylor's going to get the job. Um, I think it was a bit of a, it already been decided type of thing. You know, I think they sort of gave us the benefit of the doubt because we were both still players at the club. But, you know, if me and Walsh had taken over, then who knows what would have happened. It might have been different history or whatever, but we would have been very, very keen to protect the nucleus of the people that were there because there was a, there was an incredible 
and team spirit, probably it's hard to say because every club's different, but probably the best team spirit I had, I think, in terms of how the boys were together, you know, they sort of doing stuff together. It was, as you know, Leicester's, you know, the one club city, etc. And it, it was a really close-knit group of lads who all stood together. So, um, yeah, it was a shame because we would, I think we would have kept the, the team together. Obviously, a lot of us were getting on, myself, Walshy, Marshy, Stan, Collymore, etc. You know, there's a few of the boys getting on in age, Tim Flowers, but we would have looked to have kept it together. But I think they'd already made their mind up. And, you know, as history turned out, it wasn't the right choice in getting Peter Taylor to do it. No. Yeah. Well, we would have never had Junior Lewis if you had <laughs> job, though, would we? Uh, I, yeah, Junior Lewis. Um, <laughs> well, there was a few. I think Addy Akinbai went there, Trevor yeah. Benjamin, I think. Was, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It, just, it was hard for me because... I didn't particularly want to leave Leicester. You know, I went into what was my fourth season with Peter as a manager. And of course, I see those two arrive and God knows what sort of wages they must have been on. And yeah. I knew that I was still a better player than those two. And that was the frustrating thing. And I think yeah. Peter, Peter knew that we'd applied for the job, me and Walshy. And of course, the first two we got out of the club was me and Walshy. Yeah. Well, thanks for discussing your time at the club there with us. That's, uh, it's been great to have a bit of an insight of that. We're, we're going to come back to the present day, though. Obviously, you're working at the club at the, the moment as part of the, the media team, aren't you, for LCFC? Yep. So presumably, you're still following us quite quite a bit. I, I do my best, Mark. Yeah, I mean, it's not always not always easy to sort of keep your eye everywhere and that. But I know you're right. I do work for the club. Um, there's some great people there and part of the media team. Is myself, Matt Elliott, who I played with, obviously Jerry Taggart, I played with, and you and Roberts, who I played with at Norwich. So we're all sort of similar ages, and uh, yeah, we just have a, a laugh and a joke and do a, do the chat on a Monday night, which I've done just previous to this. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and also, I do the commentary as well for games. You know, if there's any games sort of in the south or in London, and I'll try and do the commentary as well. Yeah, great. We're, we're, I've got a few questions a, a bit later to come on to from some of our, our listeners. I've put out yeah, there, we've got a Q&A for you. So there's a couple of different things to come back, but we'll come back to the present day. I'll start with yourself, Tom. Uh, what's going on? Three games back now since the, the World Cup's ended. Uh, it's not, right. not gone well, has it so far, it'd be fair to say? Certainly not, no. I think, um, you know... It, as we were going into the, the World Cup, obviously, we were on a bit more of a high. Everyone was a bit more on board with, um, with well, with the results we were getting and what, what Brendan was doing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not been a good start at all, really, has it? Um, and the atmosphere, unfortunately, is resulting in booze at half-time. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a strange place to be at the moment. Just a couple of questions, Tony, before you go tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, a question that's come in from one of our listeners is, do you think that the art of two strikers has been lost? And why do so many clubs want to play with one striker these days? Uh, it's, it's a bit of a bugbear for me. Um, uh, I personally, if I was a man now, I'm not that I am and not, I'm, I'm ever going to be, but I would always start my team with two up front. I just think it gives you more options. I think it's... It's better for the centre forward because um, you can work around and play as a partnership like I did. Um, you know, when I say two up front, I know the game's changed and I don't want to come across as an old dinosaur. But, you know, you can still have your number nine and your number 10. You know, if you if you can get a sort of Harry Kane type of player who can play in both positions. I know he's worth millions. I get that. But, you know, why can't you start with two players? You look at Leicester. I, I think Leicester have got three fantastic forwards. You've got Vardy, you've got Daka, and you've got Nacho. And surely you could start with two players up front and whatever formation you want to play behind that. You want to play three centre-halves, four at the back, whatever you want to do. We played 3-5-2 back in the 90s under Martin O'Neill. Why, why not play 3-5-2? You know, Leicester have got players to do that. I'm sure Luke Thomas could play as a right wing-back. Castagna can play as a right wing-back. You've got players that can play in that role, you know. So um, maybe not all the time, but I, I, for one, would just like Brendan just every now and again to try the two up front and just because I think it makes everything a little bit more positive. And of course, from a defensive and a midfield point of view, you've got more options to hit up front as well. Absolutely. Just a, a one-on-one of our strikers, Jamie Vardy, how much more has he got left to give, do you think? Are you starting to see some of the, the decline now that comes with an end of a, end of a career? Well, Jamie's been incredible for the club, isn't he? And I, I think 
I think he's, there's still a role for him at the football club. If anything else, not worth nothing else. You just teach Daka and Neonacho. You know, that's that mm-hmm. becomes part of your role as you get older at a football club. You, you, you pass on your experience. And, you know, Jamie's obviously not as quick as he used to be. We know that. That's what happens. You, you can't be 35, 36 years of age, whatever he is, <coughs> and not lose some of your pace. That's what happens, you know. But he can still finish. We know that. But you've got to be able to get in the position. So I think he'll be a, an important important squad member this year, um, probably next year as well. And then I think Jamie will then decide when he wants to sort of retire and hang his boots up. But, you know, I, for one, like to, I think it's good when you keep players at a football club. So keep him at the club, teach and help the youngsters and and also keep the fairy tale alive as well. Because I think of all the stories of the 21st century that have happened in football, I think Jamie's is the best one. Because to come from non-league football, and then become a Premier League winner and score for your country. And everything he's done is, is just an amazing achievement. And I think as Leicester fans, you should all be proud of the fact that the club took, took that gamble to sign a, a lad from non-league football and give him the, the, the platform. And yes, of course, Jamie's done fantastically well, but I think it's a real fantastic story, Jamie Vardy and Leicester City Football Club. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's going to be the snippet for the show. I think that was a, a passion defense yeah. of our number nine. I love it. Yeah. Uh, a question here Is the owner's long term investment strategy to generate future income putting our Premier League status at risk? Do you mean in terms of building the new stand? Is that what you mean, yeah. Mark? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think you have to get the balance right. I think Leicester are building a, a uh, sorry, Leicester, Liverpool are building a similar stand, aren't they? I know Liverpool, you could argue the revenue. Stand. I get all that. But, you know, I think clubs have to progress. Um, you know, I think there's probably a demand for Leicester. I think as far as I know, they're pretty much sold out for most of the games. <coughs> what you've got to get the balance right is you don't want a 40,000 all-seater stadium and then you're playing football in the Championship again because that's not what Leicester want. You know, I think those days of being a yo-yo club, you know, the, the Leicester fans don't want that anymore. Um, they want to be a Premier League football club. They have achieved enormous things in the last 10 years, not even 10 years, last seven years. It's been incredible roller coaster journey um, and I've been a part of that as well as part of the media team so you now I've loved it and enjoyed it and the FA Cup final victory against Chelsea was one of four and been to great times the 2016 season I was working for Sky and I kept asking me unless they're good enough can they win it can they can they finish in the top four and all that rubbish and I kept supporting them and saying yes they can yes they can and they did of course you know so but you've got to get the balance right I think the owners have been fantastic you know it, it was Obviously, so sad what happened a few years ago to the, to the chairman. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Top's been brilliant. And I, I think they're going in the right direction. Everything, for me, I think it's a class football club, good owners. You just have to get the balance right. And I just hope that it does work out because, as I say, you don't want to be building new stands and then you end up getting relegated because that's not what people want. But, the you know, I think the, um, the emphasis is at the football club is... To, to take it on to bigger and better things than that. So if that means build, building a new big stand and everything, and all, plus all the benefits to the to the local community and the area around it as well, I think that's something that should be done, and I know it's going to be done. Do you think that they the will invest this month in new players? Well, let's hope so, because I think that was a disappointment, wasn't it? I mean, let's be honest, in the, you know, apart from FAS, I don't think there was anyone else arrived there, and even he was a last-minute sort of arrival. <coughs> and when you see... For Farner going for such big money, you're thinking, well, oh, perhaps there should have been a, a little bit more money spent. But, you know, I don't think we ever really know what's going on with Brendan and, you know, the sort of the the, the, the recruitment team and the owners and, you know, how much money's there to spend. I, I know I, I certainly don't know the answer to that. You guys are not going to know the answer to that. But I think what I would say is that you have to spend in the Premier League. If you, if you spend a little bit of money, you get the, the opportunity to stay where you are. If you don't spend hardly any money, then obviously other clubs are building around you and spending money. So it's just common sense that obviously other clubs will improve. And if you don't buy, then you're, you're not going to improve. So you can obviously go down or whatever, depending on how much money you spend. So I think it was a disappointment in the last transfer. Window. I don't think I've been, I can't jazz it up as anything else. Um, yeah. The only final thing I would say is January is not a good time to be buying players, as we all know, because you've been the player that's worth five million is going to pay ten million for, etc. So um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I think Leicester probably could do with a couple of players to bolster the squad. But personally, I think well, I don't think I know they will stay in the Premier League this year. Hopefully, we'll do well in in either of the cup competitions. 
and then come the end of the season, regroup, rebuild and see how much money they got. Brilliant. Uh, we've got two minutes left, chaps. If anyone's got a further question for, for Tony, other than yeah. that... Yeah, do you think Brendan Rodgers is the way forward for us then? Because there's been a lot of debate. There's a very much a split camp in the fans now. I think um, <coughs> I think you, you have to be careful what you wish for sometimes. I think in football, um, I think there's sometimes the fans are a bit too quick to make judgments. Um, I think Brendan's earned the right to have a wobble or a few wobbles as such because of what he's done over the last few years to finish in fifth position twice. FA Cup, Community Shield, etc. <coughs> I think he deserves a chance to be given time. I think fair play to the club. I mean, I, I, there's not many football clubs where you can lose six games, I think he was at the start, and on the trot, and not get sacked. And especially when you're losing fives and sixes as well, which, as we know, was the case. Yeah. I think fair play, they really stuck by him and, and, and give him, you know, I was fully expecting the the button to be pressed. I think most people were, but they stuck by him. Leicester went on a really good run, didn't they, before the World Cup? And of yeah. course, the World Cup come at the time for the club. Um, losing three games is not good. We know that, but good result at Gillingham. Hopefully get a good result tomorrow night at Newcastle as well. And everything looked rosy in the Cups, but you've still got your bread and butter of the league. And, uh, you know, big games, Forest and Brighton coming up as well. Not going to be easy. But when you're fighting in that Premier League, no, no games are easy. But, me personally, I like Brendan as a man. I think he's a really top person. And as a coach and as a manager, I think he deserves more time at Leicester and hopefully can continue to build the football club. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tony Cotty, for joining us this evening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, uh, Tony Cotty's departed us now. He's, uh, he's made his made way for us to have a bit of a chat, as we normally would on the show. A question I've just asked Tom around how things have gone since we've come back. How's it, how's it been for you? How are you feeling about things? Well, re- concerned in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's been appalling. Newcastle was appalling, wasn't it? I mean, um, just nobody was on their game. And Fass and Big Dan have formed a great partnership and were all over the place for that game, particularly at the start. Um and we never looked like getting back into it at all. And we haven't looked like scoring many goals lately. Um, then we gave a good go at it at Liverpool. Um, a little bit unlucky not to win, let alone come away with a point, I think, at Liverpool. But again, uh, um, some uh, dodgy defence cost us a couple of goals. Um, but we played quite well that day. So, um, And then Fulham... I don't know. It's a difficult one to read, isn't it? Because we were awful to start with, but we lost KDH just before in the warm-up and lost Samari, who's now out for about six weeks, five minutes in. Mm. Um, And we never seem to have the resilience to cover from that. It comes back to where's the leaders? You know, in that situation where you have to change everything to start the game and then again five minutes into the game you need the leaders on the pitch there's not a lot that Rogers or the coaching team can do and and we played really well after the half-time team talk right and we changed a few things and probably should have got back into the game uh, against Fulham and then against Gillingham we were we were awful but we got through we did what we needed to do so um, I, 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 I'm kind of really disappointed but I'm not too downbeat about it yet. A lot depends on what happens against Newcastle, which is going to be a tough game with all the players out. And then obviously at Notts Florist, where we can't lose, I think. We've got to at least get a point there. That'll be a huge, huge game coming up when it at Forest. Barry, Leicester yeah. 13th in the table, two points above the drop zone. How worried should we be? Um, do, do you know what strange about it? I was, I was thinking about not worried about it, but the way Tony talked about it, he was almost trying not to say it. He was almost trying not to say it with the 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 reason they're spending the money on the stand and not investing in players. He was almost saying it's okay doing that, but there's no point in doing it in the championship. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you could see that feeling him. He didn't want to say it, obviously. Uh, I think just through manners. Um, I don't. I I'm with Tony though. I don't think. I don't think it's an issue. I think. Injuries are ridiculous. I think um, I sort of recap the, the sort of highlights of the last few games, and yeah, like yeah, the Chilean game was was poor, but 
if you look if you look at most of the Premier League teams that played te- teams below them, they were all poor games, whether they went through or not. Um, like I think. <laughs> Do you want to comment on any in particular? No, no, thank you. And uh, but I think um, like realistically, Liverpool, Liverpool came like Leicester were good. I think Newcastle. You can't you can't beat yourselves up about that. Like they are awesome. They're they're genuinely not. They weren't on the day. <sighs> I think we were exceptionally yeah. bad on the day. Aye, but like you got to give them credit for that too because they're making other teams look bad. Is that Newcastle? Like, Newcastle, yeah. yeah I, I think that I think they just are that good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's hard. It's hard not to like you can't beat yourselves up about it. I don't think. I do, however, think. Um, what's changed for me is because since I went the, the whole last season, what I'm bringing out, like I'm, I'm starting to think that the the players are the problem, not a problem. Sorry, I'm, I'm making a minor little there. I think there's, there's players that are, are not, they're not up for the fight. Like you said, there's no leaders. There's, there's, there's no leaders, but there's players that just aren't willing to fight for it. And when you lose the likes of Samani, KDH, that's a huge thing for Leicester because they, they're kind of the the battlers, and if you don't, if you don't have them in your team, then you can look very, very weak. And I hope, I hope, I hope I'm wrong with that. But I think I don't like come Newcastle. I don't think that's going to happen for you. Um, Forest is a weird one because they've been playing okay in the league. They got pumped in the, the, the cup, but because it was under strength, does that mean they're keeping it for that? I, I don't know, man. It's this could it's, it could be a, it could be a tough ten, ten days for Leicester. Well, it could be a tough longer than that, Aidan, because I'm looking at this fixture list and in the league up until the end of February, we've got Forest away, <clears> Brighton <throat> at home, Aston Villa away, Spurs, Villa. At, home, Spurs <laughs> at home, Manchester United away and Arsenal away. That is, oh, not that is a horrible lineup. Ars- yeah. Arsenal's at home, Arsenal's at the King Park. Sorry, yeah, Arsenal's, at, yeah. Arsenal's at home. All right, yeah. Stanley. That's that's not an easy one, though, is it? No, that's a that's a uh, horrible lineup. No, it, I think a lot does depend on. We can't go to the city ground and get get, you know, have the same type of performance as we did when we got put out of the FA Cup last season. I think that the fans there, the Forest fans, will be on our backs straight away if they sense any weakness. We need to get our poise back again, and I think you know that goes for individual players as much as a team, you know. Players like like White Feist, um, like Amarte, um, those are guys who who for a game can go either way, you know. And we've seen that for Feist at Anfield, um, with those mistakes. Players who whose confidence can be shot quite quickly. So I think we need to start games well, um, start well at the City Grounds, start well definitely tomorrow night, um, which Brendan Rodgers has spoken about, um, at St James's Park, um, and go from there. I think. Uh, a couple of strong performances um, will help us as, as much as anything. I think confidence is a little bit low. The Gilling room, we got the right result at Priestfield, but performance-wise, it wasn't it wasn't great. Again, not a massive problem. We're through, but I think soon we need, you know, especially maybe tomorrow night. Even if we lose at St James's Park, have a good performance, and and you know, I think if we get embarrassed. Um, either at St James's Park or at the City Ground like we were in last season in the FA Cup, that's when things are going to start falling apart for us. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it is a, a, a challenging run coming up and we need confidence as, as much as anything, you know, as much as results. Can I, button? Can I, can I just ask a question? See, when, when I was watching the highlights earlier on, I was, I was trying to look who's underperforming. And do you know, do you know what's hard? I, I couldn't see who was performing. Yeah. So uh, yeah. take 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 Yuri away from that. I think Yuri's been pretty much class the last few yeah. games. Like who's is any... this podcast, Barry? <laughs> I know, I know. But like, who, but is that because everyone else is playing poorly? Like, I, like what? Like, what is it? Because I, the the team isn't that much different. So what? Why? Is, like, what's happened? Like, that's this is what I wanted for for Brendan is. Um, as much as I felt like Brendan was picking the same team, he had a better selection of players to pick from, and that, the performance is what happened. And I wanted him out. I don't think he has that option now. He's he's picking what he can pick. Yeah, yeah. and some of his, his big guys aren't performing. Like Bar- mm. Barnes is not performing. Vardy's mm. not performing. Daka isn't. So 
Like, what what can he do? Indeed, that's forming. Indeed, he's been. Oh, indeed, he, my God, he's awful. He's uh, yeah. he's regressed massively, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But isn't that the, the story of our season that, you know, August, September through to October, the first half of October, it's the same team that just playing poorly and mm. then we seem to turn a corner um, through, you know, that result against Forrest and then, sub, you know, I know we went and got beat at Bournemouth, but then subsequent results were, were positive and we went into the World Cup break, you know, going well. And it seems to be we've just taken that step back to how things were August, September, first half of October. So the same players, but our confidence has gone a bit and performance levels have dropped. Well, um, yeah. Like a train, didn't he? And he's, he's just, he's had kind of four ropey games. And Big Dan looked uh, pretty steady alongside him. Yeah. Um, and and they, they seem to have lost something. Whether it's Thomas coming in at left back, um, I don't know. It'd be hard to blame the young lad, but something's changed there. Um even the keeper doesn't look as assured as he would no, right now. He doesn't. He's, he's essentially not good enough, is he, Luke Thomas, for, for the level we're at as well, Steve. So you look at that back four, and Castagna's not played well really all season. You've got two centre-backs who were, if it's not one, it's the other, to me, to you yeah. and all that. And then Thomas at left-back. It's a real challenge, isn't it, if that's the base that you're starting from? Yeah, I think so. We've got to hope that Ricardo's back soon. But what he's going to play like when he does come back after so long out, who knows? And we know we're not going to see James Justin until the rest, uh, until next season. So um, maybe signing a left-back is something we've got to do, I think, because I don't think... I'm not saying Luke Thomas won't make it, but he's not ready right now. And not with the lack of leadership on the pitch that we've got, particularly without Johnny Evans. Um but Johnny wasn't playing that well before he got injured either. Well, he's yeah. out again for another six weeks, isn't he? Minimum. Um, so, yeah. Aidan, I'll come to you on this one, but I asked the question about Jamie Vardy earlier, but maybe we've started to see the last of Johnny Evans in a Leicester shirt. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, hard to judge, isn't it? You know, he comes back and he plays a couple of good games uh, and we're speaking differently. I mean, Johnny's... Pace isn't his game, certainly not. And um, you know, it's 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 commanding commanding that defence. And I suppose he hasn't had the chance to to build up a great partnership with White Feist, for example. Um, we have spoken previously in the podcast of of Soyuncu playing better when he was next to Evans, but that's going back a little bit of time now. So um, yeah, of course, at Johnny's age, he's uh, uh, as with Jimmy Vardy, certainly on the decline. Can he come in and steady things? Will he? He's shown that he can do that in the past. Um, will he still be able to do that? Time will tell if he comes back in. Um, but I think, you know, as a club, we need to be looking beyond Johnny Evans. Um, we need to be looking, if Sanchez is moving on, which it certainly seems that he is, you know, we need to be looking at rebuilding a, a, a defence. Um, the jury is still out in the face. Amarte, just that lack of consistency. You know, we've seen him good. We've seen him very shaky. Um, so I think defence is an area we really need to look at in the summer Yeah, defence, right wing centre midfield probably uh, yeah. be more than that Well you definitely need a leader at the back and we haven't got one without Evans playing yeah. It is but like the money can't keep getting spent on the defence so like realistically what, I, 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 you but that's what I mean. Like last, last, tw- like well, I've got evidence to suggest this, but the last twenty signings for Leicester, it feels like fifteen of them have been defenders. That has to has to stop. Like that can't that can't continue. Like, I, 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 like what I suppose? What do you have there? That's you do need a centre half for sure. But like realistically, fullbacks are like Chelsea. You've got about hundred. <laughs> 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 well, like, well, I've, I've got to suggest the fella that's working his way over to you guys in the West Midlands at the minute, Barry uh, Harry Maguire. I, I would have had him back in a heartbeat to shore up. Oh, no, definitely, hundred percent. Oh, that's it's a load of rubbish. There's absolutely no way he's coming. That's but but like like it just needs the right manager to make him good. I think the right yeah. manager will make him make him a world beat again. He never let us down, to be honest. I know the fans yeah. get him. Going, but he never let us down. My, my um, question as well would be if we're struggling that badly at the back and we, and we are, how bad is Siuncu at the minute, Tom, to be 
third choice behind Valtfast that is he's having a it's having a torrid time at the minute. You can't say he's not. I know he's new wow. and young and he made a really good start, but he is having a, a tough time. And Dan Marty, who is you know average at best. Yeah. Yeah, I mean D- Dan Marty has been in and out of favour, hasn't he? Uh, in terms of the fans anyway. Um but yeah, certainly going through a rough patch. That, I mean, Sionko, it's just bizarre that we've we've not seen him we've not seen him play in the Premier League, really, have we? So it's um played one game. Yeah, it's it's yeah, leaving us in, in a hell of a hell of a situation. Um and we don't have much longer in front either, you know. We've Samare wasn't really filling that void that that we needed filling. Um KDH sort of went off the boil a bit. Tillemans again has been up and down whilst he has had some some good games. Um, but yeah, the, the problem is we're conceding so many goals at the minute and we're not able to really put any in the back of the net ourselves, apart yeah. from one goal scored fast. <laughs> yeah, he's got all three at Anfield. It's, it's your hold of mid, it's your hold of mid. Like Adidas went off the boil and it hasn't been replaced. Like KDH has went up further further attacking, which Seems to actually be quite fruitful, but he's not. He's not going to be there to hit the Madison. It's that. It's the number number yeah. six, if you want to call it. That's that hole is huge for Leicester for some reason. It's utterly massive, and since Adidas went off the boil, Samari is not really filled it. That's the that's a bigger boil for me than the, the mm. setups. I think it's a huge void. Yeah, and the World Cup I think did come at a bad time, right? We'd we'd got through yeah. that bad. Where we'd we'd lost seven out of eight games, got one point or something ridiculous, went on a good run apart from the game at Bournemouth, and yeah. um, and we're looking upwards towards European positions actually incredibly before the World Cup. But I wonder how brittle that confidence is. You know, you don't you don't start the game well against Newcastle. Suddenly you're two 0 down, getting a good pasting, and it's evaporated, uh, especially with a lack of leadership on the pitch. Um, you haven't got the creative person like Madison to turn it around. Barnes isn't doing it. Nobody's doing it, really. Nobody's having good games at the moment. I mean, O'Brien was one of our better players at Gillingham, I think. Um, I, I just wonder how fragile that confidence is um, that we've fallen off the cliff again. It, it, like, I think the thing that's alarming about it is, is is there three... It's a weird, it's a weird cliche to use, but is there three teams playing worse? In the league, and the probably just is, it just is, and no more. And that's why January is important. Picking points up there because the, the whole bottom is concertinaed up. Well, no, it's, 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 it's Southampton, Bournemouth are almost yeah, Southampton are rank, but, like, but when you look at the next five, even up to Villa, if you look up to Villa, which is eleven, like none of them are really performing. But there, some teams are picking up points. Like we beat Spurs. Um, the other the other teams, Crystal Palace are picking up points, things like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Everton, they've got it in them. They're, they're, they play shite for ages, but they'll get two wins on the trot, and then that's them clear again. Like, let, the let, let, Barry, and I think we've got we we've got to rely. We have to beat the teams around us when we play them for sure. Yeah, yeah we don't beat sure. anyone else, Steve. Do we? We've not beaten anyone higher than twelfth in a calendar year. But no. Maybe that's what this season is. This that that's maybe what this season is. Like it's it's just staying in the league. If you get if you get some silverware off of off of the cups, then um it's it's better than most teams are gonna do. But realistically, maybe this season is just this season just to survive. Aiden, if I offered you the chance to either get three points at uh, the city ground on Saturday or to beat Newcastle tomorrow in the cup, which one would you take? Three points at the city ground all day long, I think. 100%. I think I think losing at the city ground. <laughs> That, that's going to be tough if we go there and lose it's tough for us a draw is okay but to go up there and, and lose just what it means confidence wise for the league needs to be our bread and butter yeah it's lovely to get a run in the cups but as Baz was saying we need to solidify Premier League football for you know and you don't want to be in a relic you know it's you don't even want to be finishing 17th that you're biting your fingernails until the last day you want to you know be you don't want to be Wigan no, you want to be 13, 14, yeah. 15, you know, um, at, at, at worst. So, no, I, I take the three points. 
with that in mind then, Steve, how, how should the lineup look tomorrow in terms of strength? And would you be expecting a similar lineup to the one that went out against Gillingham on Saturday? No, I think he'll he'll put back in the players that were rested, by and large. Um, probably not Dan, because he might not be fit enough for a full game. Um, but I think Barnes and Fass and Amati will play, to be honest. Um, but I agree, I think Forrest is the more important game right now. Yeah. Are you surprised, uh, Tom, that we're here on the 9th of January and we've not even looked like making a signing yet? We're a third of the way through the window. Brendan Rogers said there's money to spend. <laughs> well, if we're going on that, yeah, I shouldn't be surprised. But um, if we all know what happened in summer. Um, we all know we tend to struggle with uh, with trying to make these kind of signings to strengthen the squad every January. Uh, it's, it's not something that's paid off for as much in, in the past, is it? So I'm not I'm not too shocked, to be honest. Um I mean, I, I can imagine a couple will go over over the line in that last week, perhaps the last day. But it's it's the whole thing of, of, of just trying to strengthen, really, and making sure no other clubs leapfrog us. Well, no one has. That's that's the World Cup, man. The World Cup, the World Cup has put everyone, put everyone into a bit of uh, uncomfortableness. Like the no one has. Like generally, no one has. So this it's it's going to be it is going to be. That last week, um, Tombola, I think that's when it's going to kick into gear. It's 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 going to be a massive, um, exaggerated domino effect because the problem is being able to. Sorry, kind of, sorry, Barry. Yeah, the, I was just going to say the the problem is, um, you know, who are we expecting to go within that that last week, and how do we mm-hmm. fill those kind of positions? You can't you can't allow your big boys to go. Your parents, mm. you might have said, you know, actually, you can't let any of them go. That can't happen, for sure. No. no. You know, when there is a lack of investment in the playing staff, Steve, can you understand where some fans would start to criticise the, the board for not having that extra investment in place? Yeah, look, they've been fantastic. So overall, no. But for this particular, yeah, I, I think they're looking to get extra revenue in, not just from the extra seating, but from the hotels, from the conference centre, from all the stuff that's being built around there to build the revenues that way because financial fair play is all about salaries as a percentage of your overall revenues and income. So all that income from the hotel and uh, the apartments and everything else will count towards what we can spend and allow us to spend more money and be more competitive. But to be fair to Rogers, we had the 20th spend in the in the league, the bottom spend, Right. And uh, you can only go backwards when that happens, unless the young players go on, uh, you know, a, a growth spurt in terms of their abilities and everything else, and that hasn't happened. So, uh, yeah, I, I think um, they've got to be careful, as, as Tony Cotty said, to get the balance right. Of course, we've got to invest in the future to be a sustainable, bigger club that the challenges at the top end of the Premier League, but we've got to stay in the Premier League. Because it's the championship, not an easy league to get out of. No, no. Well, it, it could be an easy league to get out of this year, Aiden, couldn't it? The, the way things are going there, are Leicester serious contenders to to go down in your mind, Aiden? Or do you think we've got enough about us at this stage? I think, yeah, I think we've got enough about us, and I think I was encouraged by how we we change things around and we turn things around in October, November, and I think we're capable of that again. So. I think there are three, at least three worst teams. I said at the beginning of the year, um, and I'm the most accurate out of all of us at the moment. I'm sure you'll remember. Uh, I spoke about a 15th place finish, and I'm going to stick with that. I'll take that right now. I would take, yeah. if you offered to me, that to me right this second, and it's a crap season and we finish 15th, just to just to stay in the league, I think that'd be, that'd be quite good. Of course, we've, we've got an opportunity, Tom, in the Cup to progressing in the FA Cup to the uh, last 16 there as well. Um, yeah. With a, a game against Walsall in the next round, a, a local one for myself, but it's a bit of a fortunate draw again, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Um, I mean, we should all be smiling about it, but Gillingham wasn't really a pushover, was it, when you feel like it, sh- it should have been? So, 
I don't know. I don't know what to believe when these players um, come out and say, you know, every game's a tough game when you're playing, you know, bottom of League Two. But, <laughs> but to be fair, we didn't make yeah. the bottom of League Two. We didn't at all, no, no, which was quite worrying. And and um, again, it, it kind of looks like we're going through this this kind of dodgy home run at the minute. So it'll be it'll be nice to to play Walsall away. Right, let's take a couple of predictions for the next two games before we finish off, guys, because we've absolutely burned through some time again tonight. Uh, loads to discuss. Next week, we should have a guest with us as well, uh, which would be great. But Barry, before we finish off tonight. Who's uh, or rather, what's the score going to be versus Newcastle and Forest? Um, I think it'll be a defeat to Newcastle, um, two 0 Newcastle, and I think Forest. Uh, oh, I'm going to go two two draw. Okay, Steve. That's a tough game. That's a tough game for Forest one. That's yeah. I, I agree with Barry, 2-0 Newcastle, but I think with a weakened team, we'll battle and do OK. We won't be shamed because um, I think they're going to be nearly full strength. Um, yeah. And I think, like Barry, I think it'll be a draw, but one all with a Forest game. Tom? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Newcastle. are going to be as 2-1. Um, Forest, like like you say, it's it's just that you just don't want to say we we're going to lose that one. So I'm going to go two all as well. Um, I think they're going to have the fight in them to to give us a, a bit of a rough night. And Aiden, I'd say yeah, I'd say a one nil defeat at St James's Park, uh, and I'm going to go for a nil nil draw at the City Ground. I'm going to go for 3-1 to Newcastle and I'm going to suggest we might slip to a 1-0 defeat at Forest as well. Oh, oh boy, he's listening. I can't see where the calls are coming from at the minute. I'm, I'm not trying to be, uh, be downcast necessarily intentionally, but we've seen some shine so far since we've been That's been dreadful, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. you know, and to, to think it's going to turn around... We hope it is. Of course, we hope it is. And uh, fingers crossed this time next week when we're sat doing another podcast, we're talking about two victories. But if if we're only talking about one, it's got to be that one at the city ground on Saturday. Not least because my family and half of where Tom lives is going to be uh, giving us no end of crap otherwise. But, you know, quite do you know one of the, the most, do you know what one of the most painful things is? And I'm glad you asked Cotty about it is um, like Vardy is done. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I, I like he, he that that looks like it's over now. It's horrible. Yeah. Last last two games looks like that's over. Yeah, it's a horrible. It's a horrible. It's a horrible sight. It is. The other worrying thing is no one seems to know what's wrong with Madison or what there is to do about it. We just take it game by game, week by week, day by day. because yeah. he's been our creator all season. And there might be an ulterior yeah. move there, boys. <laughs> For me, a tricky thing as well, you know, we're talking about Vardy being done. For me, the jury's out again on, on Iheanacho and Daka. I never made my mind up about Daka. Iheanacho, a couple a season or two ago, he started scoring. And I was like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, he's, they're just very, both of them quite average for me. Like, average. He's yeah. a two-man striker for Iheanacho. He needs to be up there with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. If you speak to the fellow that sits behind me and Tommy, he'll tell you what he thinks of Dakar and it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to say I'd agree as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guys, we've, we've run out of time, unfortunately. I think we could sit and chat for another hour to, tonight quite easily about the things that are challenges for Leicester City at the minute. But that's another episode of It's Eleven, It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy. And uh, we will join you again next week. It's good to be back after uh, elongated hiatus that's a bit of a mouthful in itself, but that's uh, that's the end of the episode, and we'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, guys.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.